listening to Science Drives and Wellness Steers. It's season two. I'm your host, Allie Diesenhouse-Kellner. I've been the clinical director of Magnificent Minds, a private school and therapy center for over a decade, and have been supporting teachers, therapists, and parents of spirited kiddos with complex needs for even longer. Think autism, ODD, OCD, trauma, anxiety, learning disabilities, Down syndrome. There's beauty and diversity, folks. Professionally, I'm a bit of an enigma with formal training in counseling psychology and applied behavior analysis. I don't fit neatly into a box. I combine my love for science with my connection to the pursuit of wellness and somehow make sense of worlds that to some may seem at odds. I'm a hippie at heart. I avoid pseudoscience, gluten, and bad vibes. I'm a political advocate and a passionate writer who often puts her foot in her mouth. I'm a sometimes frazzled, not always put together mom, boss lady, and wife who despite knowing what I should do most of the time, finds myself winging it and trusting my intuition. If it strikes your fancy, you can find out more about my education and credentials at magnificentminds.ca. There, you can sign up for my newsletter and we can stay connected. Find me on Instagram at magminds and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Screenshot this episode, tag me, and share the love. If you're new here, welcome to the community. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for coming back today. I want to dive into a topic I've been speaking a lot about with my clients and frankly with my friends and my family. What are we going to see as a result of this whole COVID-19 pandemic and more specifically as a result of being in isolation and quarantine, um, physical and or social distancing, all of these things that have become our new norm. What will the impact of all of these new norms have on our kids, on their well-being, on their mental health, on their development, on their social engagement, all of these things that we are usually so focused on. And as we've been in isolation, we've really had much less time to you know, do the normal enrichment type activities that we would do with our kids. You know, we can't go to a park and play with other kids for, you know, exposure or interaction. We can't take our kids to the grocery store or do the day-to-day things we would normally do with them for exposure, for learning, for development. So what can we expect to see when this is all said and done? So I've been thinking a lot about it and I've been speaking to a lot of different professionals about it and and these are sort of my thoughts. So some things that I think we can expect to see and you may already be seeing now but I think you'll start to see it more as we ramp up and as things start to move to phase two and phase three of reopening. Um, So in, in Ontario now the province is sort of on a sort of gradual system moving from phase one which was essentially total lockdown to phase two where things are gradually starting to reopen so we're starting to see more people out and about for better or worse we're starting to see more people emerge Um, and you know it's the summer so that always means that there's more people around anyway so what are we going to expect to see so here's some things that I think we may see and if this resonates with you feel free to send me a DM if I'm on the money or if I'm off the money, that's cool too. Um, I always want your feedback. So here's what I think. So I think we're going to see that our kids are going to be overall a little more fearful around others. I think we've gotten quite used to our, um, our quarantine bubbles. And I know bubbles now have a new meeting in Ontario where we're now able to expand our bubbles to up to 10 people as long as those 10 people have the same bubble as us. Um, But I think up until this point, up until we were allowed to have gatherings of 10 people or, you know, 
when we, we sort of were only allowed to be seeing the people in our household, I think our bubble was much smaller. And I think as we start opening up our circles and our bubbles, we are going to see a bit more apprehension from our kids. I think we're going to see some reluctance to engage in physical closeness. Um, I think physical contact has been something that's taken a really drastic pivot um, in my house for sure and, and probably in yours too. So, you know, we're still giving hugs and kisses, of course, to the individuals in my house. So, you know, my kids and my husband, we're all still very close and still very affectionate. But people we were previously very affectionate with and hugs and kisses and cuddles with, those people were no longer in our bubble for a very long time. And, and at this point, they still aren't. I'm optimistic that they will be fairly soon. But at this point, I think we're going to see a pretty drastic change in our kiddos in their willingness to invite other people into their personal space. I think even if we haven't directly said um, you know, that hugging and kissing can be dangerous. Even if we phrase it a little differently, like, you know, we're going to give some space and, you know, we just want the virus to pass and we've been very gentle so as not to instill fear. I think the, the change in interaction patterns as we're, you know, physically and socially distancing, I think that's something that we can't ignore. And I think that's something our kiddos are going to be very aware of as we move to sort of more of a hands-on, you know, as we move towards hugging and kissing, I think our kiddos are going to notice that. And I think it's going to be another transition for them. So all of this has just been transition after transition. All of it has been unprecedented transition after unprecedented transition. And I think as we begin to widen our net and as we begin to be more, you know, um, in close contact with even just close family members, I think we're going to see some reluctance from our kiddos, at least at first, because they're not going to really understand why it wasn't safe before and now it is. And, you know, maybe there'll be other restrictions that, you know, you decide as a family that are going to govern who they, you know, interact with closely and, and what that looks like. And I think that's going to cause us as parents to really have to spell it out for our kids and explain in a very matter-of-fact but age-appropriate way. Um, you know, in my house, we say the virus is going away, so we're slowly able to, you know, invite people into our homes. We're slowly able to give a hug and kiss to grandma or grandpa, those kinds of things. But I think the reluctance to engage in physical closeness is going to be something we have to tread lightly with because at no point do we want to be in a situation where we're forcing that physical closeness. Um, we never did want to force it, but especially now because it, it's it's so it's so different and so new again, just like everything we've been experiencing up until now. And so because of that, it can be difficult to understand for our kiddos. The next thing that I think we're going to see is difficulty transitioning. So going to social gatherings, even if they are small, um, and leaving social gatherings, I think that's going to be really difficult. And I mean, you may have even noticed this already. I know in my house, we've had, you know, we've had visitors, we've had social, dis you know, socially distanced um, hangouts in our backyard, especially once the weather's been nicer. And my kids who usually were pretty easygoing and, you know, willing to, you know, say goodbye and move on if somebody's leaving, have been showing a lot more range of emotions when people come and when people go. And I think it's because the the normalcy of seeing people sort of went away really quickly um, from what we were used to. And we went into this sort of self-isolation bubble. And now people are starting to come in and, you know, slowly and they're staying for short periods of time. And the situations are different. Some are wearing masks. Um, you know, some are 
whatever, depending on what, you know, what people want to do to keep themselves safe. Some are not wearing masks, some are coming a little closer, but, you know, still two meters away. Some are, you know, staying six feet away because that's what makes them comfortable. I think all of the variables and the lack of consistency, which is inevitable, um, is, is doing a number on our kiddos. And I think that is at least one reason that the transitions are going to be difficult. So once we do start going back to family gatherings, once we do start having, you know, you know, barbecues and, you know, parties and those kinds of things, even if they are smaller gatherings, I think we're going to start to see difficulty leaving. So we might see tantrums, we might see, um, you know, crying, we might see, you know, you might see aggression, you might see hitting, you might see anything that would indicate that your kiddo is having big and potentially unpredictable feelings. I think, Similarly, you're going to see those kinds of difficulties transitioning. Even if you never really saw them before, it's possible that you'll see them now because again, like it's this whole new thing we're in every, you know, it seems like at every turn, at every phase, we're in a new sort of episode. And for for us as adults, it's easy enough to wrap our head around why we're in this, you know, ever-changing episode and why, you know, from one day to the next policies are changing and, you know, things are slowly opening up and, and we understand the rationale and we understand the science and we understand how the virus works. I think even for us with all that understanding, it's still been pretty difficult. Um, in speaking to a lot of adults, you know, they've sort of disclosed that it's been it's been a bit rough just sort of adjusting to all these new normals. And I think if it's that difficult for us, imagine what it's like for our kids. I think as public spaces start to open up, so parks, um, you know, the zoo, science centers, these kinds of things, I think as we start to bring our kids out more in a way that's, you know, cautious, but, you know, we have to move forward as we start doing that and we go to splash pads and we go to whatever, you know, your municipality is deeming safe based on numbers in your area, I think we're going to see a lot more of these big behaviors related to transitions. You know, it's like we haven't been to the park in... I don't know, six months. And you know, the first time we go to the park, your kids are going to be so excited and rightly so. And you know, they may be a bit apprehensive. So you may see difficult behaviors or challenging behaviors on the way because they're trying to work out how they feel. And they, kids are really sort of not always, I mean, adults too, um, but especially kids are not always good at identifying that they're feeling anxious. They, they identify that some, they feel something, you know, maybe they, they, they feel off, they feel weird, they feel wonky, um, but they're not always good at identifying that anxiety piece and, you know, the fear of the unknown and the lack of control can be a big contributing factor. So I think as you're leaving the home to go to these new, you know, community events or settings, we're going to potentially see behaviors, um, apprehension, anxiety, or, you know, just uncertainty. And I think, you know, inevitably you're going to see it when it's time to leave as well. Because again, I haven't been to the park in six months. I haven't been to the zoo or the splash pad or whatever it is in so long. And now I'm here and it's so much fun. But you know, at some point, the fun has to end and it's, it's got to be time to go. And, and I think we're going to start to see behaviors the likes of which we haven't really seen from our kids maybe since they were, you know, in their early toddler years when it was a bit more frequent. I mean, any toddler parent will tell you that transitions are difficult at the best of times. As our kids get older, they tend to get better at managing the transitions. Or perhaps as parents, we just get better at knowing how we need to approach a transition for our kiddo, whether that is, you know, transition warnings, countdowns, um, you know, frequent reminders about what's next, um, that kind of thing. Um, so I think be prepared for that as you're moving into sort of the next phase. I also think um, we're going to start to see some, I mean, 
it's sort of difficult to explain, but I think as the parent, you're going to be the first one to notice it. And I think it's going to be the most difficult for the people that are used to being connected to our kids. And what I think you're going to start to see is a lack of an apparent lack of closeness with people in your family that were previously sort of part of your, you know, um, close-knit family circle you know as we've all kind of gone into our own bubbles in quarantine we've stopped seeing these key players in our lives and our kids lives you know our our parents the grandparents you know the the nieces and nephews the aunts and uncles and these are in a lot of cases people that were very close to our kids and these were people that had very strong connections with our kids and you know kids kids for better or worse lack sort of what we call object permanence so that means, you know, if something is out of sight, it's often out of mind and it's not for lack of love or lack of affection, um, but they don't, they don't sort of have that ability to hold on to the closeness that they have with people when they don't see them. And it's not that it won't come back. It will absolutely come back, you know, with some nurturing and some rapport building. It's, it's never gone forever. But I think the people that will notice this the most are the people who are used to having a really close connection, a really strong rapport with your kids who are now coming back into your bubble and who are, I mean, they're not strangers by any stretch. And I think at first your kids will be really excited to see them, but I also think they'll feel a bit of a relationship strain. And I think as parents, it's our job to say, you know, that's normal and that's cool. And, and you're going to get that relationship back for, I think, I mean, that's sort of the way you would speak to an adult, right? The adult is the one that's going to feel that distance. You know, they, they don't know what your kid, you know, war to their graduation because it was on zoom and they weren't there they don't know you know who your kids best friends are now because they're now talking to them on I don't know Facebook messenger instead of in person they don't know you know what your kids favorite food is right now because you know if your kids are like my kids their favorite food changes every week and they haven't you know had a meal with them in six months um, so these kinds of things that people who take a lot of pride in being part of your network are, are going to feel and I think as parents you're going to notice it in your kids interaction style and I think it's just going to take a little bit of patience and compassion and I think you'll get back to where you were quickly but I do think that that will be something to to bear in mind as you're starting to slowly open up your circle and you're starting to bring people back in that were once quite close to you. The other thing that I think we're going to notice is overstimulation and dysregulation and I think we're going to see it we're going to see it in general because, again, things are going to be changing in terms of policies, in terms of who we can bring into our bubble, in terms of, you know, school opening, closing, all of these variables that are going to impact our kids day to day. Um, the level of engagement that they're going to have, it's going to be, you know, if it's not already for you guys, it's going to be summer vacation any minute now. Um, you're going to be working or you're going to be doing, you know, whatever you need to do in terms of your daily household responsibilities. And I think there's going to be a bit less enrichment for our kids. And I think that's kind of a normal part of summer. Um, you know, being bored is one of the things that I hated most as a kid, but one of the things that I think really caused me to grow a lot as a kid. I think sort of nowadays we have this tendency to be afraid if our kids are bored like oh no they can't be bored if they're bored I must be doing something wrong I'm not engaging them but I think boredom sort of facilitates creativity and imagination and play and I think there's nothing wrong with that but I do think that with boredom and with understimulation comes dysregulation and I think the other side of understimulation is overstimulation and it can go that way as well so you know uh, you could have a kiddo that when they're bored, they become super understimulated. And um, as a result of that, they try to find ways to, you know, engage. And that sort of turns into this spiral of energy that goes from under or under stimulation to over overstimulation. Like 
in 10 seconds or less. Um, one of my kids is like that, the other one isn't. So um, it's certainly not universal, but it's something that I think we should be mindful of. And I think something we're going to see, I think we're going to see overstimulation specifically and dysregulation when we start entering into larger groups. So um, even if you are in a socially distanced situation, but it's a large gathering, I think that can lead to overstimulation or dysregulation for our kiddos, in particular kids who have difficulty regulating emotions at the best of times. But I mean, I, I haven't met a kid yet that really nails emotion regulation. It's just, it's a part of, of being a kid is learning how to do that. So I think all of our kids are going to struggle with that. I think kids with sensory processing disorder or, you know, behavioral difficulties or specifically communication and social difficulties are going to have an even harder time. So I think some patience and compassion in that sense, as we start going back to larger social gatherings is going to be really important. I think we're also likely to see that overstimulation and dysregulation when we go into a community setting that may or may not be a large group, you know, the restaurant, the grocery store, um, not necessarily sort of quote unquote fun activities, like not the park, not, you know, the splash pad, though you will probably see it there too. But I think those sort of more day to day experiences that our kids were before all of this quite used to, um, I think that can potentially be a source of overstimulation for them and, and dysregulation. And that will look different depending on your kiddo. But I think just sort of treading lightly and, and building up exposure to those situations gradually and in a way that acknowledges that, you know, as adults, we can go back and remember the time that we were in the grocery store pretty quickly and easily because we did it a lot and it became, you know, it became habit and, you know, we've been alive for however many years we've been alive for that is a lot longer than our kiddos. Um, but for our kiddos, they can't go back to that memory as quickly or easily as we can. So it's going to be a lot more novel and a lot more foreign for them. And I also think um, if you can remember what it was like to go back into the grocery store after you had been out for a while just during COVID, um, you know, you might sort of empathize a little and, and sort of realize, I mean, I know for me, I didn't go into a grocery store for four or five months because I had had a baby and I was recovering from surgery. And so my husband was the one that was doing it all. Then I went into a grocery store to just get a couple of basics and I had a bit of culture shock. Like it felt weird to me. And, and I'm, you know, a full grown adult with the ability to, you know, remember life in a grocery store, you know, shocked my whole life. I, I get it. Um, but it still felt weird. So, I mean, imagine what it would be like for your kiddo who doesn't have that life experience to pull from and doesn't have the perspective that we have as adults. The other time that I think you are likely to see some overstimulation and, and leading to dysregulation is I think it's, it's very possible that you'll see this when you're getting attention from novel individuals that have been out of your bubble for a while. So people that were previously very close to your kiddos um, or, you know, that weren't, but that are, you know, coming back into your life and giving your kiddos undivided attention because, you know, everybody missed everybody. You know, your family missed your kids just like you missed your family. You know, they're giving lots of attention. You know, they may be coming with gifts. They may be coming just with smiles and, um, you know, undivided attention. And I think our kids need undivided attention and they love undivided attention. But I also think that it can be so reinforcing and so overwhelming that it can lead us to a point of dysregulation um you know we may start getting going from you know happy play with a you know a novel person who's you know back in our bubble and back giving us attention very quickly spiraling to you know silly almost sort of dangerous play where it kind of tips the scale and, and it's kind of where you know parents have to come in and, and rein it in and say okay you know I know we're super excited but you know let's stay safe um I think that's that's a time that you might 
expect to see some dysregulation. And I think as parents, we need to just be mindful that we are reintroducing, you know, really exciting and really great people into our kids' lives in a way that is going to meet their needs as well as, you know, our family members' needs. And your family, you know, family members may want to spend, I want to take your kids for the whole day and I want to take them to the zoo and for ice cream and for a sleepover and, and all of these great things because, oh, you know, I've missed them and we haven't, you know, gotten a happy meal in so long and we haven't done all these things that we normally do. And I just, I want to do it all. So let, let me take them for, you know, the weekend or the day. Um, and while that may meet the need for the family member, and I think that's important, I, I think it's equally, if not more important to, you know, worry about the kiddos needs being met first and, and saying, you know, that sounds really great. And I think, I think my kiddo would love that, but you know, maybe let's do one of those things, you know, let's go for ice cream or why don't you come over and play and we'll go from there and just sort of slowly build it up so that we're not, um, we're not putting our kiddos in a situation where, you know, they're going to, they're going to burn out and it's going to end up in a tantrum and it's just going to be more difficult and challenging than it needs to be. The other thing that I think we need to expect moving forward, at least expect the, you know, that we may see is, um, you know, this sort of social fatigue or a crash after a family barbecue or a trip to the zoo. I think we underestimate how stimulating and engaging all of these new experiences can be when we haven't had them for so long. And I think our kiddos, they go, you know, zero to a hundred and they give it their all. And I think they may hold it together the entire time they're at the barbecue or, you know, up until the time that you say it's time to go. But I think it's more than, you know, it's more than likely that you you could see some fatigue, some social fatigue or some kind of burnout after. So I would say just work that downtime into your routine if you are planning to go somewhere that there's going to be a lot of stimulation, a lot of people, um, just new experiences that your kiddos haven't seen in a while, uh, haven't done or been, haven't done in a while and people they haven't seen in a while. A couple other things I want to mention, and I do want to make this episode a clicky because I know everybody has a lot going on right now. And if you've found some time to listen to this podcast, I'm super, super grateful and I don't want to take up more time than you have. So let's just speed through. Um, I think another thing you're going to see is separation stress. So you're looking at difficulty potentially sleeping. Um, you know, I think when things start to change and your kids start to feel that, you know, we're assessing risk in a different way now that we understand the virus a little better. We're, you know, doing new things, but um, not only new things, but also with, with new measures. So, you know, your kids have masks now. Um, you know, your kids are washing their hands so much when they're inside and outside. You know, they, they know all about hand sanitizer or magic soap, as my kiddos call it. I think as they start to notice that the world is changing, I think they may they may experience some difficulty sleeping because they're really trying to wrap their head around everything that's happening around them. And I think as parents, we've been we've been really close with our kids this entire time, which has been really nice and fostered really great attachment in a lot of cases, I think. But I also think that it's going to be really difficult to move to a sort of even semi-normal where, you know, mom goes to work, dad goes to work, you know, you go to daycare, you go to a caregiver, or, you know, you only have mom, you, you don't have mom and dad, those kinds of things. Um, I think another thing that we can expect is difficulty being dropped off. So, you know, spending a couple hours with grandma might be really difficult if, you know, you're not going to be staying because our kiddos have been so used to being attached at the hip with us for better or worse, literally cabin fever together. Um, it's like the ultimate summer camp experience where, you know, you're in a cabin together and you can't go anywhere and, you know, you're basically stuck. Um, and it's been beautiful and challenging and 
awful all at the same time. Um, but um, sorry, I got a little excited there and I knocked over my mic. Um, hope that didn't break your ears. Um, anyway, I think a couple other things you're going to see are um, engaging in some connection connection-seeking behaviors or attention-seeking behaviors, I think as we start to pull away from our, you know, self-isolation and our um, quarantine life, I think our kiddos are really going to be craving our attention and our connection. And I think we need to make a point of carving out that time to build and maintain those relationships that we have, you know, spend so much time together over the last little bit and, and the connections are so strong and the attachment is so rich right now and so great. And I think we need to hang on to that. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot, you know, we're going to slowly resume normal life. And I think one great thing we can do is just keep carving out some time for our kiddos, five minutes, 10 minutes, uninterrupted, um, relationship building time. I think that is one of the most powerful things you can do to manage that, you know, that really, that difficulty with attachment, letting go, that, you know, separation anxiety. Um, the other thing I think you'll see, and, and you know, this is, this is one of the last things I want to say is escape and avoidance behaviors might be high. And I think we might see some escape and avoidance behaviors surrounding activities or items, uh, sorry, activities or, or outings that take us away from the safety of our bubble. And I think our homes for a lot of us have become a really safe space where we can control the variables. Our kids have had a lot of great you know, memories and a lot of great experiences in our home in the last little bit with us. And I think as we slowly start to venture out of our you know, quarantine bubbles, I think our kids are gonna really feel that. And I think you may start to see some escape and avoidance behaviors when it comes to leaving and you know, going to someone else's house, going you know, to the grocery store, even you know, going to camp, going back to school. I think those are gonna be big adjustments for our kiddos. I think the best thing we can do is really push them to step outside their comfort zone in little, little, small, manageable ways um, that are, you know, baby steps for now that lead to sort of big leaps as we start to see that they're comfortable. I think the worst thing we can do is not acknowledge the difficulty that is going to come from all of these changes and these transitions. I think it's really important for us as parents to know where our kiddos are in terms of this transition and they don't need to understand the nuances the policies um, you know the procedures they don't need to understand how the world has changed in that sense those nuances but they need to understand that there's still safety that there's still connection that we're still able to do this together as a family like we have been up until now that is where I'm going to leave you um, if you have questions if you thought this was great and it resonated with you you know um, screenshot the podcast share it with me on Instagram you can find me at Meg Minds as always always. I love to connect. Um, I have some really, really cool and exciting things that I'm going to be announcing coming up shortly. So definitely hit the subscribe or follow button, depending on where you're listening. Find me on Instagram, find me on Facebook, um, Facebook at Magnificent Minds Inc. Instagram at Mag Minds. I look forward to connecting. I am so grateful that you allowed me, you know, this 25 minute window into, um, you know, your life and you just opening up your, your ears and your heart to everything that I am pouring out to it. I am so grateful and I wish you a very, very smooth transition and, um, you know, the, the gratitude to recognize that we're moving we're moving towards, you know, the end of this whole wild pandemic and the, you know, perspective to realize that a lot of beauty and a lot of um, good things have come from a really crappy pandemic COVID-19 situation. Um, thank you so much for hanging out. Stay well.
Thanks for listening to another episode of Science Drives Wellness Steers. It's been amazing hanging out with you, and I am so grateful for your willingness to let me in. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a rating. I'm a behaviorist, remember, and I am all about that reinforcement and that data. Until next time, stay well and stay grounded.